What's happening, everybody? Happy Monday. This is Bet to Win. I'm your host, Joe Fan. A huge weekend that was, a huge week to be in the world of sports. I want to start briefly just letting you know that I survived my golf tournament over the weekend. Credit to me because I didn't know if I would get there. I've never played in a three-day golf tournament before, and this was a grind. And just to let you know what the vibes were to start the day, to start the tournament. On Friday, the, the tournament format was a, it was a partner event, two-man scramble on Tuesday. It was a, a team best ball on, or sorry, on Friday, team best ball Saturday, and then two-man aggregate on Sunday, meaning everything counts. And so we started, it's a, it's a shotgun, so my, my team started on hole 11. And we stepped up, and in a scramble, all you need is one good drive. He goes first, and he hits his off the face of the earth to the right, and I step up um, and snap my sh- drive through a window on the left. And I don't know if it actually went through a window, but I didn't care to look because I hit it a mile to the left. So we started our two-man scramble with a triple. We're probably the only team to have made a triple in a two-man scramble. So not a great start for the fellas, um, and it just it, it kind of went downhill from there. But... I kept the wheels on and I didn't get last place on Sunday as an individual. So that's good. Um, big show here today is we've got the Masters, speaking of golf, coming up this week. Is Tiger going to play? What are the expectations? We've got the Final Four recap um, and Natty preview with North Carolina and Kansas squaring off tonight. My guy, Tim Murray from VEASAN is in the building. But first, we've got a victory lap to take for your boy. Four winning picks in a row. Uh, Duke in North Carolina, the over 151 hit. Um, that was a nice one. And I also was on Kansas minus four against Nova. Both relatively sweat-free wins, uh, especially given the pace that Duke, North Carolina, second half. Um, without further ado, we've got him here in studio. He is my guy, Tim Murray. the host of the Nightcap. Weeknights, 10 to 1 Eastern on VEASAN with former NFL QB Sean King. little home and home here, Tim. Yeah. I went, I went over to, to Circa and was part of your show for a couple of segments, and I appreciate you coming here over to win our Blue Wire Studios to hang out with us. Yeah, no, I appreciate the in, uh, the invite. First time I've been inside this uh, this property, so obviously first time here in this studio too. So what an incredible, incredible place this is here. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I was on with you guys, I believe, the day of the national championship, maybe the week leading up to the it football was. national championship. Yep. I was on Georgia, so we'll see. Hopefully, I'm on the right side tonight. I, I you know, we'll, we'll we'll talk it through. We've got some uh, we got some situations to uh, to deal, but uh, I'm fired up. Uh, what a night! And uh, congrats on the hits over the weekend. I wish I could have said the same. Yeah, we're gonna get to to your misses, <laughs> and I think uh, justifiable frustration uh, on some of those, given the trends and the anomaly of a game that was Kansas and Villanova from a total standpoint. Again, Tim Murray, follow him on Twitter at one Tim Murray. Uh, real quick, I just sort of mentioned, and I, I prefaced it uh, last Thursday on our show that I had this golf tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the TPC Summerlin member member, and I'd, I'd never... Tournament golf is just different because when you, especially on Sunday, uh, do you golf? I do not. Even okay. though I look it. You, you know, do. You're I'm wearing, wearing, you got the PGA I'm wearing the PGA Championship, championship uh, at, from Belle Reve, which was uh, Tiger finished second okay. in that tournament. Uh, and uh, that was like, you know, he obviously won the Masters in 2019. That was almost his like, oh, Tigers still got some, still got some game. Yeah. But Brooks Kepka, if people remember, just canned every single shot in that tournament. He was unflappable because I was sitting in the media tent. I was doing updates for Westwood One. And 
I was not watching it, you know, in person. And you would just hear these massive roars. And then ultimately, Kepka just always followed. Yeah. So, uh, but no, I do not golf. So, tournament golf is just a different animal. Because when you're playing golf with your buddies, more often than not, you're giving out four footers. You know, hey, that's good. Yeah. Take it away. You're playing everything as a lateral hazard. If you have a bad hole, you just pick up, take double or triple, move on to the next one. No big deal. Um, and at least on Friday and Saturday of this tournament I played in, you have a little bit of help from your partners. So if they're playing well, it takes some of the pressure off. Um, you, you know, ham and egg it a little bit, uh, so to speak. But the Sunday round was just two-man aggregate. Everything counts. So I hit one tee shot. I luckily was kept it between the, you know, between the bread, you know, yesterday yeah. and, and kept the wheels on, even though it wasn't, you know, an electric round. But I did hit one tee shot out of bounds. And the second you hit it out of bounds, you're just like, oh no. <laughs> because then you have to re-tee. You're like, what if this goes out of bounds? Right. And I, you just have to keep going. There's no like, I'm just going to skip this hole. You yeah. don't get to do that. No. And then you think about professional golfers do this four days in a row with a national television audience and 200,000 people in a gallery. I just, that the, the nerves that I felt over around that meant nothing. There was no chance I was ever going to win. There, I could have shot a 140 and it would have made no difference to how things actually went. So there was zero pressure, but you still feel it. It was pretty wild. Um, speaking of Augusta this week, Tiger, 50-50 shot, potentially game time decision. He doesn't have to announce whether or not he's going to play. He just has to show up for his tee time. Yeah. And we're going to be waiting, bated breath, whether or not he makes it. What's your gut say? Is Tiger going to play? He tweeted on Sunday. He'd already arrived there. And he's going to continue to practice and work. And, and finally make a game time call. I think he plays. I do. Yeah. I, I know there's a lot of thought out there that says he's not going to fully go in unless he believes he can compete and win, you know, the entire tournament because that's just the way he thinks. I mean, he's an ultra competitor, one of the greatest, if not the greatest golfer of all time. I, I feel like he plays. And, you know, I did take, so, you know, where, where you know, I work out of Circa, they put up really quick odds. And I took him to miss the cut at plus money. And now it's actually flipped. So I could lock in a profit <laughs> and get the, yes, he will make the cut at like plus 140. So we could, you know, lock in whatever there. Uh, but I'm really curious. I mean, the guy hasn't played competitive golf in a year and a half since he had a devastating. He had that one tournament with his son. Right. So, but he didn't have to walk the course, right? Yeah. Didn't he? He was around to cart it. So I just don't know how he's going to play. I know what a lot of people have said, if you're pro him making the cut, if he does play, it's there's no other course or field that Tiger could play in that would be more advantageous than the Masters, right? Shorter uh, field uh, than, you know, PGA Championship or anything like that. The familiarity with Augusta, obviously he won it just a couple of years ago. Um, but I also am curious, like if he's out there, do you think he he could do all four days? Is his is his body ready for that? Will he withdraw at some point? Yeah, I think that's my thing. I, I don't envision him making the cut. You never want to be the guy to doubt Tiger Woods. And obviously, I'm, I'm, hope, I'm hoping to be wrong. I bet with Sean. I um, would me and him went head to head on this one. <laughs> floored if he was able to come back and then not just to me, if he plays competently yeah. and gets through the two days, Thursday, Friday, I think that will in and of itself be a success let alone making a cut against the best players in the world. So I, I would be a shock. I would be shocked to see that. Uh, Woods, gr uh, five green jackets, trail only Jack Nicholas at six. He's also got 15 majors with Jack at 18. 
just the fact that this is a conversation uh, is certainly an incredible thing because we thought maybe, you know, a year and a half ago, he would never play golf again. It came out of, it felt like it kind of came out of nowhere, you know, and, and then we saw the, you know, the private air tracking that he's flying up to Augusta to do a round. It, it, I mean, it, it, it really is stunning uh, to see he, that he'll be there. And, you know, he's 46 years old too. So this wasn't, you know, this injury obviously didn't happen in the midst of his prime. I, I thought when, when he won the Masters in 2019, I mean, nobody, very few, I should say, thought that he would ever win a, a, a major again. And he, and he did it. Um, you know, I, I just, I would be stunned against the world's best, a guy who hasn't golfed in two, a year and a half, essentially, you know, how competitive is he going to be? But it's Augusta and it's Tiger. So like you said, it's, you know, he's, he's defied a lot of odds over the years. I think we saw two of the most improbable major championship wins over the last couple of years. Tiger, I think to me was number one until Phil won at Kiowa. Right? A year ago, which to me, I still can't believe happened over a four-day stretch, um, given how irrelevant he was before that tournament, how irrelevant he was after that tournament, or has been after that tournament from a quality of play standpoint. Uh, Tiger currently 80 to 1 to win this year's Master, uh, this year's Masters. We will have a full betting preview on Wednesday's show. Again, I'm gonna do a show Wednesday instead of Thursday with with the tournament beginning on Thursday morning. Uh, before we get to the final four, really quickly that to me, the biggest headline of Sunday night, a little quiet, quieter sports day compared to Saturday. Um, but WrestleMania, <laughs> nights one and two. It's a two-night event now. Are you a big wrestling guy? I used to be. Okay. Did you grow up a wrestling fan? Uh, I got into it like I think most people. So I'm I'm in my mid-30s. Yeah. So when I was in middle school was the peak of the Attitude Era. Yeah. The Rock, Stone Cold. So I, I was super into it like sixth, seventh, eighth grade and then kind of got weaned off of it. That's where I was. I probably started a bit earlier. I mean, there was a time, you know, before the the days of DVRs and TiVos, you had to put like a cassette into the VCR and schedule a recording. And then, you know, God forbid the show ran late and you don't have the it full tape did. of it. Um, I would tape every Raw and every SmackDown, even back in elementary really? school. And that was when like, there was some sort of risque content that, I don't think my parents loved it. I think if they ever like kind of were coming, I'd like fast forward through it so they didn't see it. Um, I was, yeah, I was hooked. I mean, there would be, I I always knew in the, whatever moment it was, all right, if I was going to come out for a match, what would be my entrance song? What would I do? What would be the fireworks, the pyrotechnic, all that? The little narcissist in me would be like, it would be so cool. But Pat McAfee, host of the Pat McAfee show, former uh, all-pro punter, Super Bowl champ, He's been calling, announcing wrestling a little bit. He got he dabbled a bit with NXT a couple of, or last year, a couple of years ago, but um, he had a big interview with Vince McMahon uh, like a month ago, and Vince McMahon asked him to, if he wanted to wrestle at WrestleMania. And I, I'm sort of out of it now. And by sort of, I mean completely out of it. Unless oh, yeah. I see a viral clip of like The Rock or Stone Cold comes back. I don't watch it anymore. I'm not really into it, but I love the nostalgia of it. And, you know, you think, okay, Pat McAfee's going to wrestle in. He's an athlete. He's a strong guy. So, like, there will be some whatever. You know, you'll try to put on a show. This guy was unbelievable. Jumping up to the top ropes, doing flips off the top rope. Hurricane Ranas. I was floored by that dude's athleticism. And not only that, but the stones to be like, 
yeah, I'll flip off of this top rope and just have faith that I'm not going to break my neck. Obviously, he's been training, but still, I'm a major wuss, so I would never and have fight, the ability fought to Vince do that. McMahon, right? And then he fought Vince McMahon, and Stone Cold came out, and he's drinking beer with Stone Cold, and he takes a stunner from Stone Cold. It was like the most epic sell of a Stone Cold stunner ever. He was the talk of WrestleMania. Pat McAfee, former punter and host of the Pat McAfee show. I don't know. That dude, well, I'm, they, a, they, I'm a huge fan of his in general. I just think he's he's just seems like you're every man. And he's just, he's genuinely funny. There aren't many people who are genuinely funny out there. People who are like in moments and situationally can be funny. But I, I don't know. I, he's I got his guy. he's got his uh he's got his brand, man. And he's you know, he's came got, out he, to the Seven Nations Army. <laughs> I can't imagine. He literally he lived out every So that fight was on Sunday. Mid 30 year old males. The Saturday dream. night Stone Cold fought, right? Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, Stone Cold came out again on Sunday. Right. I saw I saw the clip of them of drinking Cold. beers. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a fun thing to do. Imagine just just drinking. Trying to chug beers with Stone Cold with eighty thousand people around the you, top rope there. So talk about pressure to yeah. have the athletic ability to do it is one thing, but to just like not break your neck in front of us, like that's amazing. <laughs> um, what would be your entrance song? Ooh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, I remember I used to. Uh, <laughs> I always wanted to. I was like, what? What would be that? So there was a the notorious song. Of, no, no. Yeah, I was. I pretended my wrestler was Notorious Nick, and he would come out to that nice. song. Yeah, so that was uh, that's what I did in seventh and eighth Notorious grade when we throw down Tim like Murray's mattress ego. We throw down mattresses there. And, See, and, uh, yeah, yeah, we've all lived this in oh, our yeah. dreams, and, and Pat McAfee made it a reality. Mine would be Black Skinhead by Kanye West. Sure, you know that song. I don't. Um, music is an issue with. I don't. Okay, over my head. It's a good one. Uh, I want to get real quick. Colin here is a huge wrestling fan. Where how do we, how do I rate in the uh, black skin hit by Kanye West? Is that approved? Thumbs up for Cole. Thumbs down. <laughs> He's shrugging his shoulders. I don't. You play it in there. You tell me it's not a good pump up song. Walking out to eighty thousand people at WrestleMania. Let's talk about the final four. Move on, Joe. Uh, I think the final four sort of made up for a terrible elite eight. The Kansas game wasn't wasn't good. It was a blowout from Jump Street. The Duke North Carolina game though saved the day. Yeah. It was the game of the tournament. It's hard to imagine tonight's game between the Tar Heels uh, and the Jayhawks living up to those expectations. But let's start with the first game. Kansas minus four. They led wire to wire. Uh, a stress free win for over betters and for Kansas betters. But I know this is a frustrating one for you. The total was at one thirty three. This thing sailed over despite. This being the slowest tempo game Kansas had played since 2016. They had just, what was it, 58 possessions, their lowest number since 2016, and they still scored 81. It flew to the over. And you were on the first half over, full game over, and second under. half over. Or, under. Sorry, under. Yeah. I was on everything yeah. under. And uh, I pretty much knew I was doomed right from the jump when they're just burying threes left and right. But yeah, to your point, you know, we talked about it all week. I'm sure you talked about it too. You know, Who was going to dictate the pace in this game? Because Kansas wants to run, and Villanova does not. And when you looked at their two paces, you know, over the postseason, Kansas was over 70 possessions per game, their games, and Villanova was 60. And to give you a comparison, 60 possessions is the third slowest pace in college basketball all year. North Texas and Virginia, and then what Villanova had been doing in the postseason, the Big East, and the NCAA tournament. And I equated this back to 
Last year, when they lost Colin Gillespie in the Big East tournament, they played, you know, a 12 and a 13 in the first two rounds. And then they played Baylor, who obviously went on to win the championship. That game had a total of 142, and it landed 62-51. Baylor won. So I didn't feel ultra comfortable taking the points or laying the points. I, you know, I, I leaned Kansas a little bit, but I, I didn't, I didn't think it would be what it ultimately was. But as you mentioned, the slow tempo and, uh, you know, it was the most points per possession that Villanova had allowed in five years. 1.398 shouts to uh, Jesse Newell, who covers Kansas, who pointed that out. So it was a phenomenal game. And when we get into, you know, this game coming up tonight, that's what makes me a little bit worried is Kansas was shooting at such an exceptional level that can that be sustained against North Carolina tonight? I think it's a good question. I don't know if it has to be sustained because they're not a team that relies super heavily on three-point shooting. They're right. like 285th in attempts. Um, and they love to run. And, and, and that's the thing. Run. And North Carolina will run with them. I mean, if you look at Ken Palm right now, his projection is this game will have 71 possessions and compare that to 58. So once again, anyone who followed me on the under, you know, we will go to the ticket counter today and we'll, we'll ask for our money back because, you know, it was supposed to be an under game with the, with the possessions that were played. But yeah, we'll, we'll get to North Carolina here because I, I do agree with you that honestly, if you play that game again, Villanova might cover, might even win because of just the unusual shot-making capabilities. If you look at shot quality, I think Kansas won that game per their metrics at 66-60. So they still covered, but it was an under. And, you know, but I think it's important to note, though, because Nova shot the ball well in this game. They did. And so that, to me, like when you look at how you handicap a game, what your analysis is, what side you're on, whether you win or lose, how you feel about that pick. And I feel really good about this one because you saw a lot of sharp money come in on Villanova. This game was at four, got to four and a half, and was bet back down to four. And so you knew the late money, the sharp money was on the Wildcats. But in my head, and, and it, yes, it was the obvious answer, but how does this team with a short rotation without really a go-to guy in terms of a, a volume score, how do they replace 15 and five from Justin Moore? And I just didn't think it was possible against a team that to me is far deeper. They've run the table so far in this tournament to get to the final four without their best player, Abaji, having a big tournament. And he went off. And then he goes off, and Remy Martin has three points. And David McCormick, and this is, once again, going into tonight's game, I thought Bill Self, he had the anti-Matt Painter play, which was, remember Matt Painter? Because I had Purdue. Yeah. Against St. Peter's, just refused to go inside to his bigs. He's yeah. like, ah, I got a 7-4 guy and a 6-10 guy. Nah, we don't need to do that. I've got a lottery pick. Nah, don't worry about it. What Bill Self did, I thought it was great, was he recognized Dixon is, you know, 6'8", but what does Villanova do? They switch everything, no matter who it is. They don't care. They'll put a guard on a big, and they figured out ways to get McCormick sizzling from the jump. I mean, anyone who watches Kansas all year, McCormick's kind of a frustrating player. He's up and down, and sometimes he, you know, has games like he did on Saturday night, and other times he kind of disappears. If we get that McCormick again, game over, man. I mean, he was dominant and hitting all those bunnies, which sometimes he struggles with Joe is, you know, finishing close to the rim. He was 10 of 12, I think from the field. He was, he was sensational. In addition to the fact that Ochai Abaji went, you know, nuclear from three. But if you are back in Kansas, I do think something that can be looked at and say, well, 
Yes, the shooting's not sustainable, but they didn't run in transition, which is what they thrive on. And Remy Martin, who had been the most outstanding player in the Midwest region, he had three points, like you mentioned. So if you're back in Kansas, I think you could certainly talk yourself into, yes, they shot out of the, their minds, but also this matchup against North Carolina maybe favors Kansas a little bit more because North Carolina wants to run. They've also, uh, they also shot the free throw as well. They're 10 of 13 against Villanova. It's something where they have, they have games where they're tremendous in the free throw line, but they've also have games where they've struggled. Um, I think, again, anytime you're in a close game down the stretch, you know, and then the number is four, if it's at two or three late, it comes down to, are you going to make your free throws at the end to get over the number? Let's talk about North Carolina and Duke real quick because there it's very rare that a sporting event as hyped as one like that. And that, it's hard for a game to, to have more hype than Coach K in his final tournament playing North Carolina in the tournament for the very first time in the final four. The layers on layers of this built up into, there's just no way the game can deliver. And it did tenfold. I, we talk about, you know, playing in the Masters and what the adrenaline rush of that is like being at WrestleMania, if you're Pat Mag, all these different things in, the, in an athletic atmosphere. How about Caleb Love drilling that dagger three? He was only three of 10 from three. He had 28 on the night. He also hit three clutch free throws. But my goodness, that was the swaggiest three. Coming off the pick, dribble left, pull up, and just buries it, sending Coach K into retirement. Again, that shot we've all made in our driveway. Three, two, and just... Bang. And now he's done it twice this tournament. Yeah. Because what he was able to do against UCLA, down three, throws up a miss. They race it down. Armando Baycott does. Kicks it back out. Bang. Next possession down. Caleb Love does it again. RJ Davis and Caleb Love, they've got some uh, manhood that I don't have. I mean, they they hit some big, big shots. And... Onions! I mean, the depth... Bill Raftery would the say. The depth, obviously, of UNC is is not there. They run five. You know, they didn't, uh, before Armando Baycock got hurt in the second half, they were just running those five out there. So that, you know, can lead into Kansas, maybe taking advantage of that, trying to take advantage of that. But those two guys, RJ Davis, what he was able to do against Baylor. I mean, I think anybody out there, if you live bet Baylor UNC, and that game goes to overtime, you just blew a 25 point lead. Everybody but said race. Baylor's win. Baylor's winning, whatever the number is, they'll crush them in, in overtime. And guess what happened? UNC obviously won that game. R.J. Davis was a man possessed. They lost Brady Manick uh, in... Uh, Erroneously. Yeah, with the, with the elbow. And they're able to win that game. They're down three. I mean, I think one of the more unusual and overlooked games of this tournament is UNC North Carolina, uh, UNC UCLA, because, I mean... It's a three-point lead. You just missed the three. UCLA runs that rebound down. They lose, They win, but they don't. Baycott gets it, and there's Caleb Love again. Caleb Love, that's a one-point game, Joe, and he buries that three and pretty much sends, as you mentioned, Coach K packing. Now, Duke missed free throws down the stretch, which was a bit unusual. Mark Williams misses a pair. Uh, Trevor Keels misses a couple. So, I mean, Duke was up with, what, 61 seconds to go and ultimately lost that game by four. So, you know, it, 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 to, to your point, though, that game exceeded every expectation that I had. It was incredible. It's crazy also, and this is sort of an aside, I don't, obviously didn't have an impact on the game, but Brady Manick hits these ridiculous threes. Such a quick trigger. With hands in his face and then misses three of four from the free throw line mm -hmm. down the stretch. And you're saying, how on earth does that happen? 
And he and, and I'll say this: I didn't feel like Brady Manic played really well. Um, you know, he hit those big threes, but I thought he was a bit exposed defensively. Uh, I think I thought Duke could have taken advantage of him a little bit more uh, on the offensive side. I felt like Paolo at times wasn't as he could have been a little bit more aggressive with Brady Manic uh, guarding him. But man, when he comes off a baseline and just catches and shoots. His trigger is just spectacular. I, I don't know how he can square. And I'm not comparing him to Steph Curry, but like it was Steph Curry-esque in this regard, how quick he got the ball off. It just touches his hands and it's out. Didn't need a lot of space. And certainly uh, the shots being contested didn't end up mattering. Huge clutch factor from North Carolina. Uh, what are your thoughts on Coach K? Because the, there was just the, the, whole, loaded question. the whole week was... Either, you know, the, the honoring Coach K or sayonara, peace out, Coach K, good riddance. I think the, the longevity is ridiculous. I mean, he went to a, a Final Four in five decades. 80s, 90s, 2000s, 10s, and now the 20s. I mean, it's insane, the longevity. Um, and, and whether you love Coach K or hate Coach K, what I'll say is this. I was listening to a podcast uh, by Jack McCallum, longtime SI writer, about the 2012 dream team, the redeem team. And when they lost, when the USA lost in 08, right? 04, excuse me, 04. Yep. When they lost in 04, they had like a come meeting of the minds. All the biggest names in college and basketball were there. And everybody said, Coach K needs to coach this team. So he is not only thought of as arguably the greatest coach of all time, him or John Wooden, I think the respect that is out there of him. Now, look, he's 75 years old. I think he maybe lost a step or two in, in strategy. I was surprised. I mean, they, they used their final timeout with like a minute and 15 seconds to go. It didn't really make a ton of sense. Um, but I, I'll say this. I don't know if it was him pushing the buttons or John Shire or whoever it was, but I thought when they went to the 2-3 zone against Texas Tech, even though it didn't have ultimately, a la it, it was like a, it was like a prize fighter punching someone in, like, in the nose. It kind of stunned Texas Tech. Two possessions, they were kind of out of sorts. And then he did it again against Arkansas, and Arkansas just didn't know what to do with it. So I, I thought strategically throwing in that zone uh, in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight I thought was, was a, a really smart move ultimately. I mean, you could nitpick a lot of things. I mean, I was at the Elite Eight game against Michigan State where it, it almost felt like, okay, everyone, you know, Zion, you, you can't be stopped, but we also need to get R.J. Barrett involved here too. And I was like, no, just give it to Zion. The dude's a freak. He's not going to be able to be stopped. So I think over the years, you could certainly criticize some things of him. But at the end of the day, the dude won five titles. Um, and, you know, think back to 1991, beating UNLV, man, a year removed from getting absolutely obliterated, you know, 103-73. I mean, that is a stunning, stunning result that they went in and, and beat UNLV in the Final Four. Happy retirement to Coach K, who is now on his way out. North Carolina, four-point dogs on Monday night uh, against Kansas. The total is set at 152. Uh, the total being bet down confuses me a bit. I want to get your overall take on this game. What do you think carries over from Saturday to tonight? Armando Baycott, late in that game, suffering the ankle injury. He was able to come back heroically and finish. That dude's got guts. The only reason they're here is because of him. He has been an absolute monster for North Carolina in the paint. But you mentioned how thin this team already is. We just saw Kansas uh, take apart another team with a short rotation that tried to slow the game down successfully, and they still got run. 
North Carolina, like you mentioned, both these teams rank in the top 100 in Tepo. This game is going to be quick. Can UNC last for 40 minutes with this Kansas team? Yeah, I mean, I'm done doubting UNC. I mean, yeah. and this is a, yes, they're an eight seed, deservedly so, because they got smoked by Miami and Wake Forest and, you know, lost by 29 here in Vegas to Kentucky. But if you look at post-Pittsburgh loss, which still doesn't make any sense. I have no idea how this team lost to Pittsburgh at home. But post-Pittsburgh loss, they're, you know, top three team in the country. Uh, they have been playing exceptional. Kansas is number one since that stretch. Kansas has been playing uh, incredibly well, too. And I felt like the first couple rounds, you know, Texas Southern, throw it out, whatever. Uh, I, I was not impressed what they did against Creighton, not impressed against Marquette. They're down at the half to Miami. Something happened in that second half. That second half, it was like, oh, here's, here's the best team in the country in Kansas. But can UNC stick with them? Sure, because I think they, this is the game that they want to play. They want to run up in tempo. So my question is going to be, look, Baycott's playing. He said he's playing. He said, you have to cut my foot off before, you know, for me to miss this game. He is playing. How effective is he going to be? Because he does have someone in David McCormick on the other side that, I mean, look at, and I know Duke led at the half and they still were up late in that game. But Mark Williams was basically a non-factor because of the foul trouble. If they get Armando Baycott in foul trouble early, I mean, this, this thing could be ugly. Because and, and that's, if I'm Bill Self, you don't want to force it too much. You don't want to disrupt how the gameplay is going to evolve because you have Ochai Abaji and, and Christian Brown and, and Jalen Wilson. You have these pieces that are great too. I'm going at Baycott on multiple fronts. Checking that ankle. How, how, how comfortable is he out there? I'm attacking him. I want him in foul trouble because if he's on the bench, this team is completely different. As good as their guards are, the dude had 21 rebounds. And like you said, I don't think they're here. I don't think they win on Saturday. I know he fouled out with about three minutes to go. I don't think they're in this game without Baycott. So I am attacking Baycott right from the jump. You look at the Ken Palm numbers here, and in terms of efficiency numbers, and so there's not a monster edge for Kansas. They are a tick better in almost mm -hmm. every category when it comes to offensive and defensive efficiency. North Carolina's edge is that they're a better free throw shooting team. Um, but they sort of are similar in terms of how they like to play, what their style is. They're both tremendous offensive rebounding teams. I think, again, it comes down to what you can't quantify. Like you mentioned, and I'm in agreement with you there, what is going to, what is Baycott going to give you? How much is the short rotation with or without Baycott going to impact things? And then, to me, Kansas, when you have Remy Martin coming off of the bench, a guy who, they have so many guys who can put 25 on you yeah. in a moment. And so I just don't know where, outside of just North Carolina's playing great basketball and well, you just and trust the clutch factor. They got clutch and you mentioned, I mean, you've got two guards in Caleb Love and RJ Davis that the moment never seems too big, right? You've seen them hit these big time shots and that's what they're unfazed about. One final thing, and, and I know it's a national championship, so people might roll their eyes when they hear this, but is this a letdown for UNC? I mean, think about that game. Last game, you know, the, the ratings were through the roof. Everybody is anticipating. There's this discussion, you know, Coach K, his final run. You went into Cameron and you beat Coach K. And you returned and beat him again and ended his career. And, I mean, that rivalry is everything in, you know, on Tobacco Road and, and in the triangle there. How is this team going to duplicate that effort? And 
It, that is Hubert Davis's biggest challenge may not be X's and O's. It's how do we keep this team? I know you're playing for a championship, but still, I mean, you just beat Duke. You ended Coach K's career playing this, you know, instant classic. How do they duplicate that energy and come right back out? Because if I'm Kansas, that's what I'm trying for the knockout blow from the get-go. I'm trying to come out and, you know, take an early lead and once again, you know, attack Amando Baycott and just see how much gas is left in the tank. Because like you said, that Villanova-Kansas game, there were a couple moments where, yeah, Villanova made a run, hit some threes, but at the end of the day, it was wire to wire. It was, you know, they came out from the jump, Joe. So I'm really curious to see how North Carolina comes out, you know, at 920 Eastern down there at the Super Bowl. I'm going to make Tim give me his winning pick, but first some promos for you. Uh, bet $10 to win 200 New win bet users can receive $200 in free bets after they make their first qualifying deposit and place their first bet on WinBet. Once that bet is settled, you will receive four installments of $50 free dollar, sorry, four installments of $50 free bets, equating to $200. Uh, go to winbet.com or download the WinBet app for official rules and details. And our secret word for the show, as we give away a secret word on each and every episode of Bet to Win is Natty. N-A-T-T-Y. Uh, send that word to WinBet's DMs. Include your WinBet username and email for a $25 free bet. Terms and conditions apply. We're getting into April now. And uh, we started off with a W. Now, the bet was made on the show in March, but the game happened in April. So I appreciate my producer for counting this as 1-0 to start the month of April. Four winning picks in a row. Trying to stay hot here. I've got two picks. I'm gonna let. Uh, I'm gonna give one. I'm gonna let Tim give us his best bet for tonight, and then I will finish with what will be my official winning pick on the record. I am taking the over 152 here. Um, to me, it was an easy bet for Duke North Carolina, and this is an easier bet uh, for this game because of the difference in tempos. And we've talked about it. Both of these teams like to run. Duke North Carolina total was 151. This one has been bet down from 153 to 152. I don't get it. Ken Palm projects this total to be 154, which I think is on the conservative side. Both teams rank in the top 100 in tempo. Uh, we know that both teams are top 40 in defensive, defensive efficiency, but how often do we see those stops lead to transition opportunities? Um, also, also both, both of these squads are top 100 in offensive rebounding. Uh, and then you also look at neither of these two teams rely heavily on three-point shooting in terms of volume. Kansas ranks 285th in attempts. North Carolina ranks 162nd. So that to me tells me, well, you always worry about sight lines in these big stadiums for basketball games and teams going ice cold. Both these teams, not just their big men with Armando Baycott um, and David McCormick, but you have guards who can get to and finish at the rim. How many sick finishes did we see from Caleb Love avoiding contact, oh avoiding gosh. blocks and finishing at the rim with a soft touch? We know that Kansas has that, has that in spades. Um, and so to me, over 152 is an easy play. Where are you at with this one, Tim? Yeah, I think if you're a fader of the public, uh, the, the under would be the way to go. Yep. Um, because I think that's going to be the most popular side. You're going to see different splits out there. I think there's going to be a pretty fair, I think there's going to be arguments made on both sides of the of the side here. I think you could absolutely, you know, say, hey, UNC just beat Duke. Duke is playing as good as anybody. You know, that you don't want to fade them. Kansas, you know, is, is the better team, all that. So, um, you know, what I would look at, and maybe it's getting too cute, is I think I'm going to go Kansas minus two first half. I do think 
that they need to come out right from the jump and try to set the tempo. And, and maybe UNC is, is a little sluggish coming out. Now, once again, Kansas couldn't have been any hotter in that first half. They hit everything under the sun. So uh, that, that does worry me a little bit. Um, but I, I think Kansas comes out, takes an early lead. And then as they get into the game flow, you know, UNC could, could ultimately come back and make this a game. You know, full disclosure, I do have a Kansas future. I was going to say, I was going to give you the floor. And, and, and so are, are we hedging? I don't want 14 to one. You said, right? 14 to one. Uh, got it in mid November. You got to guarantee yourself a payday, right? Probably or because live. Yeah, because you're looking at plus 175 or plus 165 or so on the money line. So yeah, you can you can lock in good profit um, regardless. But it's it's the tricky part of too is everyone has an ego and it's like, well, then I'm taking out of my profits if they win. You could also try to go hedge. You could or, or try to middle. Excuse me. Yep. And uh, it's a high total, so you know what's the likelihood of it landing. One, two, three, or four. It's tricky, but I, I I think the way I'll do it is I'll I'll probably have a little on the money line to ensure some profit. And then I might take UNC plus four and a half, depending on how I'm feeling, to try to middle this and uh and and lock in a win it on both sides. It might be worth it to roll the dice a bit, not completely, but a bit and go into the game trying to get a better number or a better line. And what, what I was live because the only thing that kills you there is if Kansas gets smoked. Yeah, which I don't think either of us envision happening. I would be surprised. What I would say is, if this was Duke and Duke had won the way that they were playing, I would be hedging hard. And I know North Carolina is playing well, so maybe I'm going to eat those words. But I believe that this is a good, better matchup for Kansas. And I just felt like if they got Duke got to the championship game, man. With all of that, you know, narrative and discussion, I was like, I don't know if they're losing. So once UNC won, I just, I look at the way Kansas is playing right now. I look at how UNC just beat Duke again. And it feels like Kansas is going to win to me, um, but you should lock in some sort of profit. So I, I, I will probably hedge, but there's, there's a stubbornness factor, Joe, that of me saying, I don't know, maybe I'll just let it ride. I'm such a wuss. I would have hedged the second the line came out. I mean, I, I, I might, I might still do it. I mean, I, credit to you. It's a great bet. 14 to one is tremendous. I, I'm still sad that Texas tech in my 29 to one ticket cool. lost to Duke in hard fashion. So I had five, five futures this year. So, uh, it was my first future was Villanova 25 to one. Uh, as soon as Colin Gillespie and, and crew said, we're coming back. That was why I locked in in April, but then I had bad ones. I had Texas ugh, 30 to one. I had, or Alabama 25 to one. Oof. And then I had Auburn. I got them at 30 to one in like November. And then and that looks so good. It looked November. good for a little bit. I, I, to be honest, I, 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 I could sense something was up. They're going into the tournament. Yep. And I actually liked, I was really, I mean, the Kansas draw couldn't have been better for a futures perspective. I mean, you had, you know, obviously a 16 seed. Then you played Creighton who was shorthanded. They almost blew that game, by the way. Uh, then you play Providence. They didn't cover, but you're playing by the metrics, the worst four seed out there. And then the bottom of the bracket just imploded. You know, it was Wisconsin. It was, um, you know, LSU had fired their coach. So getting Miami to come out of there, uh, I didn't hedge off of that game either. So I have not hedged at any point yet in the tournament because fortunately the stars aligned where we got Villanova taking on uh, taking on Kansas. 
But I did lose and uh, give the books plenty of money back uh, with uh, with the under not hitting. So, yeah. all right, give us the official pick, Tim. All right, I will go Kansas minus two first half against okay. UNC. I love it. I'm going to go Kansas minus four playing the full game. I think tired legs could definitely be a factor. I know adrenaline will be going, but you can only run with this Kansas team so long, in my opinion, when you've got a big guy who's banged up with an ankle injury and a short rotation. They were going to run that entire second half against Duke in the biggest game of the season without making a single substitution. That will be hard to do against Kansas, in my opinion. Um, you also look at some of the other numbers. Uh, when you look at block percentages, Kansas, one of the best shot blocking teams in the country. They, they rank 73rd defensively. North Carolina has a lot of shots blocked, 9.3 per game. Uh, they rank 217th in that category if we're looking for small edges between two really good teams. Um, I've already talked about how deep Kansas is. We had Abaji had a quiet tournament. He goes wild in the final four. Remy Martin had gone wild all tournament, was quiet in the final four. It's a pick your poison type thing. They have so many different guys that can beat you. And I do think there's something to be said for the emotional win over Duke and having to replicate that performance again, I think it's just hard to do where Kansas was relative stress-free for the entire second half. Ken Palm predicts this to be a six-point margin, 80-74 is their projected final. I am all in on Kansas here. They are my winning pick to cut down the nets and win the national championship on Monday evening. Well, that would be enjoyable. I would, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I endorse that pick. Let's win some money tonight, Tim. <laughs> Folks, he is Tim Murray. It's been, it's been awesome to have him in the studio here at the Win, our Blue Wire Studios. He's the co-host of the Nightcap Weeknights 10 to 1 Eastern on VEASAN with former NFL QB Sean King. You guys do an awesome job. Also, follow him on Twitter at 1TimMurray. Don't go find 2TimMurray because that guy sucks. 1TimMurray <laughs> with the R-R-A-Y, not E-Y, is your guy. Tim, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it, Joe. It's been a ton of fun. We'll see you on Wednesday. Huge preview. It's a three-guest show on Wednesday. We've got Travis Fulton in to preview the Masters. Our guy, Nick Dayus, previewing a huge UFC 273 card. We're also going to have a special guest in to talk baseball as well. Don't miss it. We'll see you next time right here on Bet to Win.